Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this is episode 35, which I cannot believe we're already at episode 35. This is just rolling by. Now, as we get started, I kind of want you to think about something. Let's say that you are set on a home birth. You know that you want one from the very beginning. Well, what happens when that plan changes? What happens if something comes up and suddenly you're not able to have that home birth? How do you keep the faith and and keep the persistency to have a home birth in the future? So that's what happened with Carrie and her husband. They were with their first two pregnancies, unable to have a home birth, even though that's what they had wanted from the very beginning. Um, But they, for two specific reasons, their first birth was a twin birth and their second was with a special needs child and home birth was, was not an option for them for those. But they were able to keep the faith and look out for birth story number three because it's, it's incredible. Before we jump into her story, though, I do want to go ahead and thank our reviewer of the week, and that is Danny P614, who says, inspiring and incredible. I'm currently pregnant with my fifth baby, but I'm preparing for my first home birth. This has been so awesome to listen to while pregnant. I was already excited about having a home birth this time, but I'm over the moon about it now. Thank you so much, Danny. If you would please email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I will be sending you a happy home birth podcast sticker. If you guys will please take a moment to head over to iTunes and leave a review, it means the world to me and it definitely helps the show get found by more people. While you're at it, if you'll take a screenshot really quickly of you listening to this episode and upload it to your stories tagging at Happy Home Birth Podcast, I will be sure to feature you in mine. I also want to thank this week's sponsor, which is Carrie LaChapelle. And Carrie is a midwife, CPM of 12 years working in the upstate of South Carolina, offering home birth services. She provides evidence-based prenatal care, mama-baby family-centered home birth care, including water birth, and mama-baby postpartum care from birth to six weeks and beyond. She also offers extras like beautiful Banku belly binding and carries a wide variety of wish garden tinctures in her office. The great thing is that Carrie offers a free consultation to see if she's a good fit for your birth. So visit her website, hatchedathome.com, on Facebook at Hatched Midwife Carrie LaChapelle, or get in touch with Carrie at 864-907-6363. Thank you, Carrie, for sponsoring. And at this point, we are wrapping it all up so we can head into the interview. Please remember that the opinions of my guests might not necessarily reflect my own and that neither of us are medical providers, so please do continue to see your doctor or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Let's jump on into the interview. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah, I'm so excited for my listeners to be able to hear your stories. You just have a huge variety of things that you've experienced. So this is going to be amazing. Before we jump in, would you mind just introducing yourself to the listeners? Well, my name is Carrie Grant, and I'm married to Andrew Grant, and we um, we were kind of untraditional in the sense of we got pregnant before we got married, and it happened to also be twins, and so we are, are a family with twins. Since then, the twins are only three. We also have a special needs son whose name is Solomon. The twins' names are Proctor and Alistair, and then we also have an infant who's four and a half months, his name is Chester. So that, that makes six of us and they're all boys. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Well, so when you reached out to me about your birth story, the first thing that I noticed that I thought was pretty interesting was you said that you grew up in a very traditional medically household. Um, and it was really your husband that, that wanted you to look into potentially giving birth naturally. So what was that like and what were his reasons? How did that all kind of go down? 
Well, generally, my husband is kind of more go with the flow. He would have been supportive no matter what I decided, but he did come from a home birth family. He is one of five, and four of those five were all born at home. And our, our his family is just a little more anti-modern, and it just seemed to make sense. Historically and globally, babies have been born at home for the majority, and so that was just the way that we talked. And that's even kind of why we were even together in the first place. We dated and we worked on farms together and in plant nurseries. And we were always a little bit more back to nature from the beginning. So whenever we would talk about home birth, it just, it just made sense. It seemed like the thing to do if, if possible. Wow. That's really cool. So you were, you were right on board as soon as you kind of learned about it. Yeah, there was no question about it for me because it it just it was like, well, if everything's healthy, then yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, why not have your babies at home? It's the way that everyone's done it world right. around the world for all of time. So, oh, that's so neat. But that wasn't exactly what happened with your first pregnancy. So, tell me what that was like. You guys were excited for for this home birth, but quickly found out you were pregnant with twins. What was that pregnancy like? Well, actually, at first, in the first trimester, we had called around and interviewed a few midwives, and but we were going to have a home birth. We had told people, yeah, we're thinking of a home birth, and my family wasn't so sure, but they were supportive, and Andrew's family was always just real happy about it, like, oh, yeah, that's the way it should be. Mm. And then at our very first ultrasound, they were the, the lady was just like, well, there's definitely two in there. And so we knew that we wouldn't have a home birth. And there was a little bit of disappointment. But in retrospect, twins is a totally different ball game. And so we we actually really had a really awesome hospital birth with the twins. It, we hired a doula. And she was there with us at Greenville Memorial. And it was a really great hospital birth. I ended up with preeclampsia. So mm-hmm. I would have had to have been induced anyways. And we kind of we kind of felt that it was a godsend that we were in the hospital and it worked out. Proctor was the first, the first one, baby A, and he was born the normal way. And then Alistair, baby B, flipped right away. And we had a birth plan that our doula helped us come up with during the pregnancy. And she went with us to multiple appointments at the OB and we had talked to the different OBs that would be rotating. And we said, if baby B flips, can we attempt a breach delivery? And a lot of them were nervous, but they were like, you know, sure. Like we can always try if you're okay with that. We'll probably do the epidural just because it's, if one does flip, then you're ready to go. And so we did have to deliver, um, in the OR when it was time to push. So it was just me and my husband and the doula. And we went in there. And so Proctor was born and then Alistair flipped and then he was actually delivered feet first. And we later found out that the resident, it wasn't even a doctor. It was just a resident. Oh. And it was his, his first breach delivery. Oh, wow. And in, what an incredible in story. Op- yeah, in the operating room, all of the nurses were like, when baby B flipped, they were like, baby B flipped. And they were all changing their scrubs and getting everything ready for a C-section. And the doctor looked and said, you wanted to attempt a breach, right? I remember you. I remember talking to you. And I said, yeah, at all costs, we would really love to, because our goal was to, we knew we wanted to have a bunch of babies. So our goal was just a vaginal delivery so that we could in the future have a home birth. Yeah. Wow. And and he did it because I didn't want to be induced and I didn't even think that doulas are great. I I wanted to make one point that doulas are really awesome because I had a doula there. And when they told me I had preeclampsia and needed to be induced, I just cried and was just like, I'm not sick. There's nothing wrong with me. I just, I just need to go home and go into labor on my own. But the doula was there to say, Carrie, actually, no, like preeclampsia is a real thing. Mm-hmm. You would have died if, you know, in a different time and they can just give you this medication and you'll be fine. And so it was, it, it all worked out perfectly. And we had a really awesome hospital birth and our twins were delivered 
and they were totally healthy, four and a half pounds and seven and a half pounds, and they both Ooh. nursed right away. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that that sounds like a great doula, one who writes out a birth plan with you and then goes to your appointments with you and make sure that, you know, everybody's on the same page. That's, that is great advice. Make sure you guys are listening to that. Doulas are just incredible. Um, and I wanted to ask, so what was that like being pregnant with twins, your first pregnancy? I mean, clearly you hadn't experienced anything else, but in comparison now, knowing what it's like to carry just one baby, was there a big difference? Um, in retrospect, no, because I, I did have the special needs pregnancy, which I'm sure we'll mm. talk about in a little bit, but it was my first one. So I really didn't know. I, I guess I did have a lot of back pain, but it wasn't, mm. I didn't have anything to compare it to. And I didn't have any other children to run after or take to the bathroom or, or anything like that. And it was just, it was just happy and normal. And I was the only one pregnant at the time. So we had, we had multiple baby showers from multiple Aww. families and my husband's work threw us a shower and we just, we enjoyed it. We just enjoyed being pregnant and I enjoyed listening to my mother-in-law and other people telling me about their pregnancies. I was super interested in birth um, from the moment that I got pregnant with the twins. I just became super interested in it and wanted to do it as naturally as I could. Yeah, that is, that's incredible. Well, so you had the twins and then you, they're all under three years of age, correct? So it wasn't too long until you got pregnant with your next. Right. It wasn't. We did have a miscarriage in between, but then we got pregnant again right away with Solomon, okay. who we were planning on having a birth center birth. Um, at the 19-week ultrasound, we there were multiple markers that um, – that made us believe that Solomon had a genetic disorder. We thought it was likely Down syndrome. He had a nuchal fold, which is a thickening in the in the skin of the of the neck, and then he he also had short femurs. His femurs measured shorter, and he had a large pleural effusion. And so they removed a liter and a half of fluid off of me because he had all this fluid in his chest that was keeping him from practicing swallowing. So it, it created a buildup in fluid in me and even I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. I was having a hard oh, time man. breathing. So they took me to OR and they removed a liter and a half of fluid off of me. And then they put a long needle in through, through my, through my belly, through the uterus and right into Solomon's chest. And you could see the baby like wiggling oh, wow. on the ultrasound and you could see the needle choop, go right into his chest and then they hooked it up to a bottle and put it on the floor and they just like siphoned all of this fluid out of Solomon's chest cavity while he was in utero. Whoa. And, and then how 20, far along was he at this point? I was about or 20. How far along were you? I was about 24 weeks pregnant and this was still in Greenville, South Carolina. And right after this procedure, 24 hours later, all of the fluid in his chest came back and all of the fluid in my uterus came back. Mm -hmm. All of the amnio fluid had come back. And so that's when the hospital in Greenville said, this is out of our hands and you need to go to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia wow. to, the special, to the special delivery unit. So we went up there at 26 weeks, leaving behind our 18-month twins for what we thought would be a week-long excursion. We would go up there, they would do the procedure, the same exact procedure, but also put a shunt in Solomon's chest to continue draining the fluid for the duration of the pregnancy. And Whoa, when we got that up is there, incredible that that is a thing that they can do. Yep, it's super technical and super oh. modern, and we just we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into or what we had, what we had the situation that we were in. We really just thought Solomon was fine. I had a super natural like, oh, we had twins and they were fine, and they just always want to come up with a reason to hospitalize you and make you feel like your baby is sick because all of at this point all of the genetic testing came back negative oh. and we were just like oh the baby does not have down syndrome we, I, i'm saying the baby because at this point he wasn't named right and so the baby didn't have down syndrome 
and his heart was fine. All the echocardiograms came back fine and my blood work was fine. And I didn't even, I didn't even believe anything was wrong with him at the time. Even though I saw the fluid in his chest, I didn't, I didn't realize how big of a deal it was until we got to Philadelphia and they did all the same testing, echocardiograms and all of that. And they, they um, said, okay, you're a good candidate for the procedure. We'll go ahead and put the shunt in the baby's chest tomorrow morning. Don't eat past midnight, blah, 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 blah. And we were like, okay, great. So you, we can do the surgery and we'll follow up with you two days later. And cause it's an outpatient thing. We'll follow up with you two days later and then we'll get to go home and have our baby back in Greenville and be back with our twins who I had never left for more than a night. And so a week was a big deal for me. Um, and so they were just like, mm, no, we typically have our patients stay and deliver here. And I was only 20, 25 weeks. And I just thought, mm, that's like, we're not going to do that. We're going to go back. And <laughs> that's I was no. <laughs> real confident. I was just real confident about it and just like, nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to do the surgery here and go back and deliver in Greenville because that's our plan. And us natural mamas, we all have a plan. Right. And they were, and they were just like, nope. Um, we, you have to stay here and deliver your baby here. And, uh, and we were, after we said that we didn't like that idea, they were just the fetal maternal specialist in CHOP who was really good. Her name was Dr. Moldenhauer. She was, she just said, you do realize your baby's very sick, right? And I was just like, nope, I didn't. And they said, if he, if he survives, it'll be a fight for his life. So skipping on to the birth, I was hospitalized wow. for the duration of that pregnancy and induced at 34 weeks because he wasn't getting any better. The special delivery unit is like two different rooms. So you deliver in one room and there's another room right beside it with a wall and a window. And that's where the NICU team waits. And he had he had more than 20 people waiting for him to be born. I was induced. Um, no epidural, pushed him out. He went straight to the window. I didn't hold him until he was five and a half weeks. And that oh, was, man. that's its own story. <laughs> yeah, that's its own story, the NICU. Um, but as far as the Pitocin goes, if anyone wants to know how that went, it was, I was, they started the Pitocin around 10 p.m. I didn't feel anything until 6 a.m. I felt a little crampy and I told the nurse and he was born at 7.20 a.m. Oh, Whoa. Yep, I didn't feel anything. And when they checked me for the very first time, I was at an eight and bulging. Go, girl. And they were just <laughs> like, you're going to you're going to have your baby in an because I thought when I first felt my little cramp, it was going to be like the twins where it was mm -hmm. just this long 24 hour grueling labor. But the second with Solomon, it was like I felt a little crampy around 6 a.m. And they checked me and I was at an eight and bulging. And my husband and I were just like, well, if I'm just now kind of starting to feel a little bit of pain this is probably going to be an all day thing, but he was born an hour and 20 minutes later. Incredible. I have a few questions about the, the last few weeks of your pregnancy. What was that like being up there? I mean, what was it like having to leave your twins and your family and were you confined to a hospital bed? Yes, I was confined to a hospital bed and um in Philadelphia there's just a lot it's not like Greenville at all there's just skyscrapers everywhere so right outside my window was another concrete building and they wouldn't even let me leave the room except for 30 minutes once a day but that was after the first 10 days. Ooh. And they and they ran um they ran magnesium upon admission just to make sure if I did go into labor and did have preeclampsia that wouldn't be an issue so I had to go through the magnesium again because I had the preeclampsia with the twin birth and so that was just it was it was hard it was really hard and my husband and I we got pictures of the boys we went to Walgreens and printed out four by sixes and posted oh. them all over. Taped them, he taped them all over the wall for me. It was real sweet. That's very and sweet. And we would, we would look and show all the nurses the different pictures. And <laughs> my, goal, my, my goal became, you know, still a natural birth because I still, in sight, I still had um, 
I still have had goals to eventually have a home birth. And I just, Mm -hmm. every day a doctor and midwife would come in and sit at the foot of the bed and ask me how I was doing. And I was on bed rest for six weeks. And so I asked every single doctor and midwife on the special delivery unit, like, do you think I can have a natural delivery? Because we thought surely a special needs child would be, would be a C-section, but Nope, they were all they they all took good care of me. One of the midwives there taught me to knit. Oh no and so, way. So, so I learned how to knit and we had family members. I had a family member send yarn up and knitting needles and I made washcloths. I made a bunch of washcloths and um we we there was a marker board where the nurses would write their names on there every day and so we just were counting down the days and the time the time went so slow. We were just I like, like oh, we can't, we can't believe, we can't believe it's going so slow. Like, this is all going to be over. But I did want to um, just say also that Solomon is almost two years old. We have no doubt that he will walk. He's already crawling. And intellectually, he doesn't seem impaired at all. And he is just a happy another part of our family. So when he was born, was like what what did he weigh? He was seven pounds one ounce at thirty-four and, weeks. Yeah, at thirty-four weeks. Good job. <laughs> there was a lot of fluid. He was swollen. He was real puffy looking. Um and when he was first born, we they my husband pushed me I didn't have to have a C section, so I was able to go down to NICU in less than an hour. And when we got down there, they pulled us to the side and said that it was it was never meant to be. And he only had a couple of hours left. And so we we thought we would hold him for the for the rest of his life there and hold him until he kind of faded out. But he never did. And they said something's changed and we're just going to keep fighting and we're going to go hour by hour. And we brought him home. They They sent him home. They flew him back to Greenville's NICU at three months old, and then we brought him home at five and a half months. Wow. Okay. So, so you mentioned earlier that you weren't able to hold him for like five weeks. Five and a half weeks was the first time I held him. And when I held him, it took two nurses to put him in my arms because he was intubated and he had four IVs, one on each leg and each arm. And I guess they call them pick lines. And then there also had to be a respiratory therapist standing behind my shoulder the whole time. Gosh. So what was that like for you? What, how did you cope with that? How did you get through for other mamas that might find themselves in situations like that? Well, we're Christians. And so I guess we just, we just kind of thought, well, there's a reason for all of this. And even if he, you know, even if he passes away, then there's there's a reason for his life. And he didn't pass away, and he's just another thriving member of our family. In retrospect, it was really hard, but it helped a lot getting the twins back. Once I delivered, we were able to get the twins up in Philadelphia with us, and we lived oh, at the Donald House. Okay, so that's wonderful. We were just yeah, we were just up there with our family, and we kind of just. We enjoyed Philadelphia. We went out and went out to eat and we would walk around the parks of Philadelphia and ride the subway and visit our baby in the NICU and all of the babies in NICU at CHOP, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, they're all critically ill. So it's not like normal NICUs. This is a level four NICU. And so they kind of encourage, like, don't spend all day here every day. So I pumped for the first couple of months. But once I realized he was never going to be able to get breast milk, we just kind of were up there and living our life up there. And we'd visit our baby and advocate for him as much as we can. And we really didn't know. He had a major surgery. And we asked the doctor, um, if the surgery would be successful. And he said that he had only done the surgery four times ever oh. period in history. And that two times it didn't work. Oh my so word. we had a 50, 50 shot. It was a lymphatic, a lymphatic surgery. All of the fluid was in his chest due to a lymph, lymph node leakage problem. He had an, an, an anomaly that I can't even it's so technical and complex, I can't even explain the whole thing in a reasonable time. Right. Man, 
gosh. So, so after the surgery, is that when he started kind of coming around and things started changing? Cause it sounds like he's not having nearly the same types of issues anymore. Yeah, so he was on the highest um, settings on the ventilator that he could have possibly been on. There were there was no higher setting for him to be on, on the ventilator. And after the surgery, the swelling just slowly started to go down, and he just got better and better and better. And we were able to place a feeding tube, and we brought him home with a little tube and a pole, and a, we would syringe feed him and do all this syringe feed him through the tube going into his stomach. And he actually just a few months ago was able to have the feeding tube removed, and he eats 100% by mouth now. Oh, man, he, that's amazing. The whole family eats. Yeah, he was on respiratory. The, the biggest um, hurdle for him was respiratory because his lungs never developed in utero. His left lung never developed. And there was a lot of fluid in there and a lot of damage done. But um, he ended up being being okay. Wow. What a strong little boy and what a strong family to to go through so much and and make it to the other side and be able to to provide some encouragement for others. Absolutely. No, it was it was definitely a dark time for my husband and I and we just we we didn't know like is this like what is are we going to be able to bring him home? We just didn't you know, we didn't know and it kind of numbs you to the whole thing, but we've 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 learned how to love Solomon and we're still getting to know him every day because he is his own little person. His own little <laughs> person. Well, yep. so tell yep. me about your your next little person. So our next So after Solomon, we didn't we kind of felt robbed of the newborn experience because we didn't hold him for such a long time and when we did bring him home, he was on a feeding tube and it was just he just had a lot of complications and we had nurses in the home and all of that and so we were just like we didn't care if we got pregnant again right away because we it we were just like this isn't going to keep us from having a big family if we're able to. So let's just not worry about it. And it didn't take us long after we brought Solomon home from NICU that when I was pregnant again, and we were going to go through the birth center again, because we were just like, oh, there's no point to even try. Always something always comes up. And so we, we went through the birth center and at 32 weeks, I was definitely past 30 weeks. It was a pretty easy pregnancy. The ultrasound was fine and all of that. And we were, we were good candidates for the birth center according to their standards. And I have a cousin who recently had a home birth around, I was, I guess I was at 30 or 32 weeks and we, and when she was just like, yeah, I just had my home birth and I just thought, hmm, I wonder if it would be worth like just calling Carrie LaChapelle and seeing if we can switch over and just go for a home birth. Like there's no reason. Everything this time is totally healthy and I really do want to have a home birth and who knows if this is an opportunity or not. So I did call Carrie LaChapelle and told her my story and she was just like, yeah, absolutely. And I do want to say she won't just take anyone past 30 weeks. You have to have had care, you know, right. the whole time. You can't just wait until you're, you're 30 weeks and then have a home birth. Um, and so then I started seeing Carrie LaChapelle and that that's at the time of the pregnancy where you get to see her multiple times a month. And we, we just developed a good friendship her and her apprentices and I was just real excited I, I, w I would go home and tell my husband they can feel the baby's legs and they know exactly <laughs> and we knew it was a boy we didn't want to find out but it was just so obvious on the ultrasound and <laughs> just kind of looked at each other like it's another boy, boy, <laughs> boy number four so um yeah, we just, it was a real easy pregnancy other than the fact that we had a special needs child and two, two, um, two year olds. Right. Other than we, the fact that we have a we lot just, of kids. <laughs> we were, we were just fine. I mean, we, we didn't, we just didn't, we didn't worry about it. We're just, you know, we're just going to have another one and that's just part of it and everything works itself out. Yeah. That's so neat. I like that you mentioned the, 
the shock at like, oh my gosh, they can feel everything. Like they can feel his little legs. And so many people don't realize that's, you know, that's a really big part of the midwife experience is when the yeah, midwife palpates just, your belly. Yeah. They just feel around your belly and they're like, there's the foot and there's the leg and there's the head is right there. And he's actually looking this way. They, right. they can just tell that they are kind of like fairies, midwives. They just, they're, it seems like what they're doing is magic, but it's actually just an art and a skill. That's, yeah. it's a lost art and a lost skill. And we really, we really believe in midwifery. Mm, and bringing it back. That's right. Um, that's, yeah, that's my favorite. I hate, I, I, well, I love palpating bellies and I have stopped many a mom friends who are pregnant and been like, can you just lie down? Can I just feel, can I just feel and palpate and just see where your baby is? And I remember initially not realizing that that wasn't common. You know, that's not what they do in during like a traditional OB appointment. Um, so yeah, it's most moms are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people were scared for me. Just like, how do you know, you know, that cause after Solomon, they would say that I had real complicated pregnancies, but I just kind of assured them, you know, well, they did see the twins early on and they did see Solomon early on. And, you know, midwives are trained and birth centers are trained in detecting those things. And most of the time, most of the time when you're transported, it's early on in the pregnancy. You're not in labor in an emergency situation of if we don't get the mom to the hospital right now, she's going to, she's going to die and the baby's going to die. It's usually like the transports happen early in the pregnancy most of the time or early in the labor. And so we just felt like, well, our ultrasound was fine and the heartbeat's fine and the position is fine and my fluid is fine. And they're, you know, just kind of, they're professionals. They go to school for years to be able to see the red flags, which they did with our initial pregnancies. And I would just assure family members, you know, my pregnancies were complex, but my births were always fine. They were always natural. And, you know, it was the births were and and the birth and the pregnancy are totally different things. They are connected, but the birth, the birthing, um, the births were just different than the pregnancies. And even right. though we had complicated pregnancies, we always had pretty smooth labor and deliveries. And you had a very uncomplicated third pregnancy. We had a very uncomplicated, it was just so easy. The The Lord knew that we needed, we needed an easy one and he gave it to us. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I would love to hear what the actual birthing experience was like. What were those last few weeks like? And then, and then tell us about the labor story. So one thing that I was really amazed with was that, so the twins, I was induced at 38 weeks with the twins because that's full term. And I was induced at 34 weeks with Solomon and I, there are things that happen past 38 weeks that I was just never aware of. Losing the mucus plug, um, <laughs> false labors. I just didn't know. And, you know, your hips. I actually, with Chester, who at the time we didn't, we didn't name him until he was three or four days old. We had run out of boy names, but I'll, <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute. Um, just things that happen post 38 weeks, your body really preparing for labor that I didn't, I wasn't aware of. I actually felt my hips separate and I went to a chiropractor a few times as my midwife recommended and I've lost my mucus plug. And that was like, Oh, I, this has never happened before. And I would have, you know, belly hardening and that sort of thing. And it was just, you know, the, the late, your body preparing for labor at the very, very end, all of those things, I thought like, no wonder, you know, inductions can sometimes be hard on a mom because there are a lot, there are so many different layers to birth and pregnancy that, you know, we can't emulate all of those with, with medicine. And I was just, I was amazed at what my body was doing all on its own in those last couple of weeks, because I had never, it was all new to me. I never experienced it. So even though I had had multiple births, none of, none of them happened all on their own, all on their own without medical intervention. Right. 
That's so neat. So, so you experience all of the things, all of the weird pregnancy preparation all for labor the very, things. The very late pregnancy symptoms, yes, and they were they were exciting because I was like, oh, it's happening, and we're having a home birth, and we had had the home visit at 37 weeks, and I had got my room already. We painted, and I just even though at the end of the day. After the birth, none of that mattered that we painted our bedroom and hung lights up to make it a cozy little place for a home birth. But none of none of that ended up mattering at the end. It was just we had our sweet little baby at home, and it was so luxurious. Um, yeah, Those things so. feel so important, though. Like, <laughs> before you have the baby... Somehow they trump all things like, oh, we just got to get it all done. And you oh, end I have up some not projects. getting done. But you end up, it it never even ever mattered. Right. It's like, I don't know why the baby knows that I, like, I don't know why it affects the baby that I need these spots repainted, but it matters. And this baby needs to come into a home that has these spots repainted. Yeah, nesting. I really nested hard, hardcore and was just like, oh, we got to have everything. Like, I just want it to be cozy. And I just had this vision of what the birth was going to be like in our bedroom and, the midwives being here and all of that, it was just, yeah, we had a lot of, a lot of prep that we felt like we needed to do. (laughs) So after all the prep is done, what, what happened? How did you know that labor was truly beginning? Well, I can tend to be impatient. And so I just asked the midwife if she would check me at my 39 and a half week prenatal visit in her office and I had the twins with me. I had one of the twins with me, Alistair, and we were there in the office and she was just like, sure, I can check you. And I was just like, I know it's not like a thing, like being checked and all, but I just, I just want to be checked to see if anything down there is happening. And she was like, yeah, no problem. I'll check you. And when she checked me, she just gasped and she went, Carrie, you're at a seven. (laughs) And I wasn't Stop. even fitting anything. We were just at a normal prenatal, 39 and a half weeks, sitting, having tea, eating chocolate, watching Alistair play in the little playroom at her office. And she, I just wanted her to check me because I was being an impatient 39 and a half week pregnant mom. And just, can you just please just check me? I just want to just be checked. I know that nothing's happening. And if well, I'm at a two or three it doesn't mean anything, but if you could just check me, you know, that would, I would just, it's the day before Thanksgiving, it's Wednesday, and I just, and she checked me, and she just, oh, Carrie, you're at a seven. You need to go home right now, and her office is on Woodruff Road, and we live in Traveler's Rest, so it's about a 40-minute drive the day before Thanksgiving. There's a lot of people on the road, and so I call my husband, and I'm just kind of laughing and saying she thinks that I'm going to have a baby in a few hours. And I really, to show you how little I know about birth and pregnancy, I I texted her and said, so does a seven, you know, can I go back down to a three or a four? Is that like, and she was like, no, we're we're on our way to your house right now. Oh, my gosh. And so I just went on about my evening and gave the twins a bath and gave Solomon a bath. He still had a feeding tube at this time and I fed him and we 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 put Solomon in his crib in his room and the twins they sleep upstairs but we had made a pallet for them downstairs and put on a movie I think it was maybe Shrek or just some movie they don't ever get to watch a lot of TV so for them it was a real treat mm-hmm. and I did the dishes and the midwife and her three students are sitting at the table while I'm doing dishes and I'm just apologizing like sorry guys, like I'm just doing the dishes here. And they were like, nope, you're fine. And I guess we had got the kids all in bed and settled and it was about 9.30 PM and she had checked me around five. I had a later, I had an early evening appointment and we finally got all the kids in bed around nine or 9.30. And they were like, if you, if you want, we can check you again. And I was just like, sure. So we went upstairs and she checked me again and the midwife did. And then she asked if it was okay if one of the students checked me and she wanted to see what they got. And the student was checking me and she turned around and looked at Carrie LaChapelle and like whispered something. And Carrie just, Carrie LaChapelle just nodded and smiled like, I know, isn't it crazy? <laughs> and I got a nine. 
Oh, I my was word. at a nine and not feeling a thing. Like I wasn't feeling a thing. So we did some little exercises and I sat on the toilet just trying to get the baby to come down and get my water to break naturally. And it would have broken naturally. We were in no doubt of that, but we called my parents and we're just like, if you want to come, my husband's mom had really wanted to be there, but she was, she was violently ill and they lived next door. She had, she, she would not, I don't want to say violently ill. Don't put that in there. She, she was sick at the time. She wasn't, my mother-in-law had wanted to be there for the birth of her grandchildren, but with the twins being an operating room birth, she wasn't able to be there. And then with Solomon being an out of state birth, she wasn't able to be there. So we were, she was excited that this would be the first birth she'd be able to attend, but she had been sick. So it was just kind of like, Oh, too bad. So we called my parents and they came and they sat in our kitchen while I, while I was in labor and we were just all talking. And my husband's aunt who had nine kids, I think seven of them born at home, but mostly home births. She came over and we were just talking and laughing and giggly the whole time that I'm just progressing. Labor is just progressing painlessly. Wow. I'm bouncing on a ball and um, doing little squats and walking up and down the stairs. And I asked I asked the midwife, is this normal to just be at a nine and not be feeling anything? And she's like, well, it's happening to you. <laughs> and so we just went with it. And that was, we just went with the flow and we were just thrilled that I was at a nine and not feeling anything. So around midnight, um, after trying to get my water to break naturally, she said that she could break my water if I wanted her to, and it would surely speed things along. Not that it, you know, it would probably break on its own at some point, but if I, if I felt comfortable, we could go forward with that. So we did, we broke my water just after midnight and Chester was born at 1:22 AM. Oh, she wow. just came, it was a super easy home birth. I mean, it was just amazing how easy it was. I didn't go through active labor or transition or any of that. She just literally broke my water and I had a baby. Now, it was really painful for that for that hour and 22 minutes, but mm. that was, you know, I just that was that and it was it was just unremarkable because it was well, it was remarkable in its unremarkableness. (laughs) Yeah. Just like there was not, and it was just the perfect home birth and the midwives were perfect. They cleaned everything up. They gave me a shower. They fed me a meal and we're in a clean bed with our bellies full and our sweet little baby who was nine pounds, nine ounces. And it was just, it was just beautiful. And they left, he was born at 120 in the morning and the midwives were leaving around 3 a.m. And they, they said, do you need anything? And we were just like, nope. And we looked at each other. The lights were off. All of our kids were in our house. They were all sleeping. And we were just like, really, was that it? Was, was that it? Can we just go to sleep now? Like, is that, that's it. And we couldn't believe it's, it's like the Cadillac of, births having a home birth because there was no one coming in to check your blood pressure every hour or lights going on and beeping and nurses walking in the hallway that was it that was it was dark and quiet and we went to sleep and Chester slept and we all the twins came in at 8 a.m and we were like your the baby's here the baby came out of mama's belly here it is. And life just went on and it was just so easy. We, I couldn't believe like we, we knew that home birth was easy in that sense, but we didn't, you don't really know until you experience it. And it was, it was truly amazing and relaxing. And we felt well rested the next day with a newborn. We never ever had the feeling of just exhaustion. We just felt totally, totally fine. And what was, what has your postpartum experience been like since then? You said your baby at the time of this recording is four and a half months old. He's four and a half months old. He nurses just fine. He really, we didn't, we didn't name him at first. (laughs) I love that. 
But the midwife had said I had five days to fill out the information for the birth certificate. So I think we named him on day three. We decided to name him Chester, which was a name that Andrew's aunt, it's a family name, and Andrew's aunt, we had talked about names while I was in labor. So that was another fun part of the labor, not naming the baby is, well, what are we going to name him? Because he still doesn't have a name and he's about to be born. And Chester was one of the names on the list during that conversation. And it, but it, we hadn't even considered Chester until I was in labor. So that was just a totally, it wasn't like a name we had been thinking about the whole pregnancy. It wasn't even on the table until I was in labor. So I think when he was three days old, we decided to go with, with Chester Ray and that's, we filled out the birth certificate and Carrie LaChapelle came and picked it up and did my postpartum checks and everything was always, he was just totally, he hardly had any jaundice and he just nursed just fine. And it was just a, it was a kosher, smooth experience. Still to this day, he's starting to teeth, but he even kind of smiles when he's teething. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Gary, you have just had the whole gamut of experiences and I'm so grateful that you came on and were willing to share all of this. It just, it's been an incredible journey for you. And I know it's just going to it's going to just keep getting better and better. And I can't wait to hear how any follow-up births, if you guys decide to have more, how all of those go. It just, it's amazing to hear your journey. Well, I am really happy to share it and really excited. I love listening to the podcast. I, I We do want to have more children. If, if the, if the Lord wants that for us, then we, we want to have as many as we're able to. And in future births, since listening to the podcast, I've learned so much. There was the one where she had five births and on the fifth one, it was happening more rapidly. I think I'm reciting the story correctly. And the midwife was just like, I know you don't like to tear. So do you want to slow things down a little bit? And Mm -hmm. do you want to slow things down a little bit and get on your side to help prevent tearing? And for me, tearing is a big deal because I've torn at all of my births, one with the twins, one being breech and Solomon being a rapid induced labor. And then Chester, I just thought, "Mm, I'm a mom who tears. But after hearing that one podcast, that one episode on your podcast, I'm like, huh, it's actually you have a lot more control than you think. And you can even lay down. There was the other story where she, her doula recommended like you can lay down and take a nap or you can kind of get up and engage your labor and get things moving. And so since listening to your podcast, I'm like, "Mm, it doesn't have to be this crazy end of the world thing. Like you can, you can control it. And so I'm actually really looking forward to my next birth. If it's a healthy, happy pregnancy, like Chester's was, I'm looking forward to engaging labor even more so. And and being just to just be in more control after listening to the podcast and hearing the other mom's stories. I'm, I'm excited about like, what can I do to maybe prevent tearing this time? Because I tore a lot with Chester being more than nine pounds. And I also would say that our midwife was great in saying she could take me to the hospital and get sewn up down there, but, or I could stay in bed for five days and she gave me some home care stuff that I could do, and it totally worked. We decided. Good. So it must not have been too. It, it must not have been too deep of a tear. I don't know. I guess it, I don't know if two centimeters is a deep tear or not. Mm. But it was two centimeters, and she was like, "You did tear." And um, but you know, with some home remedy stuff, I healed up totally fine. Good. And That's awesome. Everything is intact the way it should be. Hey, that's so cool. I'm so glad that this podcast has influenced you, even you who have had so many birth experiences. I love to hear that. And we will have to stay in touch, Carrie, because your stories are just beautiful. And yeah, I'm, I loved having you on. Yeah, I'm already telling my husband um, for the next one, I'm just going to maybe try to just breathe through some contractions and not even, not even push because for me, it's always been push the baby out as fast mm-hmm. as you possibly can and get this done. But you can actually kind of slow down and control yeah. it. And I'm already talking about my next birth, even though I'm not pregnant. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Well, Carrie, once again, thank you so much for coming on Happy Home Birth. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoy listening to your podcast and I hope it continues to flourish. 
Man, what an inspiring episode. Thank you, Carrie, so much for sharing with us and really showing us the encouragement and the power that you brought into some incredibly difficult situations. I think that we can all draw from that, whether we face similar or different circumstances. I also think it's amazing how Carrie's births went. I mean, labor itself, you know, both her second and third, really not feeling any pain until the very end, not even feeling pain until nine centimeters with her last. That is incredible. And how amazing that we experience this, this birthing process so individually and intensity certain certainly varies from person to person. Um, I just think it's so inspiring that, that Carrie was able to, her body was able to do so much without her even realizing that it was doing it. That is just so cool. So thank you so much for sharing Carrie. And Hey, are you guys enjoying this podcast and is it inspiring and helpful to you? If it is, I would really be so grateful if you would consider heading over to my Patreon account, patreon.com slash happy and consider becoming a patron. You know, this podcast means the world to me and I love putting it together. However, it has gotten a little more difficult <laughs> with a teeny little newborn and a kooky little toddler running around all the time. Um, but I still want to continue going, and I really am wanting to begin to provide more content for you guys in the form of courses, um, handouts. You know, I'm really looking into a book with birth stories. All of those things are on the horizon, but. I am going to need some some funding for that. Um, so if that's something that you would consider doing, I would just be so grateful. And the lowest tier, you can give as little as $5 per month, and it would still be a huge help. And at that tier level, you actually get access to a private Happy Home Birth Facebook group, um, which I am in and moderate. So that's going to be a lot of fun. If that's something you're interested in, I would certainly love it. Either way, I thank you guys so much for being such avid listeners and supporters, and I hope you have an amazing week, and I'll see you back here next week.